What a win, Knights. Welcome back to Charge On, episode 10 of Charge On on the Believe Network. As always, I'm your host, Sean Green. A lot to get to. I was wrong. Thank God I was wrong. It is, I can't be more happy on a Wednesday night at 11, 12 p.m. than I am right now after UCF. I mean, we were acting like SMU was a tough matchup, which we'll get into it. They were, but SMU's defense, if we could take anything from this week, is everything we've been saying about UCF's defense is legit. They are, in my opinion, a top 10 defense in this country, and we will get into it. Um, obviously, Nick Geddes on every single episode for the most part, um, but special guest for this episode, Tyler Karen, um, went to school with us. He was in the same program we were, now is the radio graduate associate for the Orlando Magic, one of my previous positions. Um, let's start with Tyler. Tyler, thank you for coming on on this late night. Mm. How'd you enjoy the game? And just give me your initial thoughts. Yeah, well, you said this is episode 10. I have listened to all first nine of the episodes, and I've just been waiting to get that call from Sean Green to get on this podcast. But it's great to be here. The game itself, I mean, had had some downs early on. Game finished up. So luckily, all of our spirits are high after that. This is the best I felt after a UCF win. But we'll still dive into some of that first half because we can't let that go unnoticed. We cannot. And for everybody on Twitter, I saw all of it like, oh, are the haters going to stop talking? We're not haters, all right? We're, we're going to give all the praise. But, like every week, room for improvement. I mean, there's still things that need to be cleaned up, but a great win. Nick Geddes is one of, if not the most honest UCF fan on all UCF Twitter. Um, so, Nick, again, how are you doing? Uh, obviously, First of all, Hurricane, I know it was supposed to come right through you. It looks like you made it out okay, so glad for that. How are you doing? And I think I'd agree with Tyler, probably the most confident after a UCF win after this past game. Yeah, I won't have much uh, snarkiness tonight, to be honest with you, based on what we saw. Uh, in the second half, that is. For the first half, I was texting y'all, and I'm like, man, I, I feel a rant coming from from Sean Green later tonight mm -hmm. after we saw that first quarter where SMU had over 200 yards, I think, offensively, and UCF's offense really couldn't move the ball at all. But that's why you play the rest of the three quarters, and it was a this was a tell of two halves this game. And it's the theme of it is defense, defense, defense. I mean, we talked about SMU's offense coming in. The best offense in the American Conference, one of the top 20 uh, offenses in the entire nation, and they were held to 19 points tonight, came in averaging almost 39, I think. So I think that's the story of the game right there, and I know we're going to spend a lot of time on that. But yeah, not much. you're not going to get much negative out of me today. You're not going to get much negative out of me. No, there's not. And no, you know what, Nick? I'm going to say 13 points because Rhett Lashley is a baby. The defense gave yeah. up 13 points. And I'm sorry, that's the one rant I'm going to go into tonight. I hate Rhett Lashley. What, what did Rhett Lashley do to you? Such what, a, what did Rhett baby, Lashley do to such you? Such a huge baby slamming his f headphones on the ground. Like, let's get some straight here. SMU got a bunch of calls tonight. There was one missed call on UCF. And all you see is Rhett Lashley on the sidelines with his pouty face, like looking over, begging for something to happen. I'm sorry, Rhett. Like, that last play, I already didn't like Rhett during the game. The stuff he was doing, I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, do you. You're getting whooped. Just stay on the sideline, bud. I get it. You want to give your team some confidence going into next week, but give me a break. Calling a timeout with one second left, I'm sorry. That is a poor move. I don't care what you want to tell your team. Like, oh, that was good. That was just piss poor on his end. Now I'm a, a Rhett Lashley hater, and I know I don't have to see him next year, but I hope SMU loses at least three more games so they can, you know, suck the rest of the year. That's just my take on Rhett Lashley. Didn't like him this game. Just my opinion. That's the one rant. One rant. I do not like Rhett Lashley. Let's go in to positives. Nick, did you want to say something on that? Did you want to elaborate? No. Okay. Uh, I think you're being a bit over. I think you're being a bit over the top on Rhett Lashley there, but uh, I can nah, continue. I, continue. I think I catch myself in between both of you on that. Sean, I absolutely agree with you. With again that that late touchdown, sometimes coaches in that situation will throw out some guys that aren't used to getting playing time and see. 
what the heck, let's see if we can do something. That situation just didn't fit for me. And in this case, in this game, when you're down numerous touchdowns, it, it just, it, you're right. It didn't feel right in this game. Um, but to go and say, to, to have a rant on him alone, I don't know about that. But No, it's a rant on just him. I, I, he, that, that with your backups too. I mean, if there's 30 seconds left, obviously, then they're going for the touchdown. I had no problem with that. Calling a timeout mm-hmm. specifically with one second left to prolong the game. Give me a break. You got whooped. Take the butt whooping and get the hell out of Orlando. Okay. Sorry. You know, that's my one rant. Okay. UCF, you know, I think it'd be a disservice to this team if we didn't talk about the defense first. I mean, every week we talk about offense first because UCF has just been known over the years for offense, offense, offense. I'm sorry, this year's team is going to be known for this defense. I mean, I knew they were good. I think we all knew. We've been talking about it for weeks. We said they're a top 25 defense, top 20 defense. They're holding teams to, you know, just insane numbers. But we always looked at the opponent and said, okay, let's see when they play a prolific offense. The holding SMU to what they did, they made Tanner Mordecai look average, which I never thought I would say that. Like after last year, he lit up this defense. They fly to the ball. They hold there's no yards after the catch. They they are stopping them as soon as they get caught. This defense is legit. So Tyler, let's start with you, man. What do you think about this defense? And you know, what do you think as a fan? Like, what do you think from this defense moving forward? Yeah, no. So I would say before this week, I still wasn't completely bought in on this defense. Now, they have been one of the top 10, 15 defenses in the country. They very much have a bend, don't break mentality. They will give up a million total yards a game. But what matters the most is the end result and what's up there on that scoreboard, which UCF, even in their loss to Louisville, was very good defensively. That first half should have been a three-touchdown deficit for UCF, but their defense, even with Rasheed Rice getting 10, nine receptions in that first half, they still limited that SMU office, uh, offense to 13 points, was it? You know, a, a field goal lead heading into halftime. Even Lashley at, headtime, he, or at, uh, at halftime, he said, we feel we should be up by more. We should be up two scores at least. That's all accredited to UCF's defense. They gave UCF's offense the time to figure out their scheme. You mentioned in the last show, UCF lost days of practice. They lost scouting for SMU. SMU did not. They had more time to scout for UCF with the two delays with the hurricane. So, you know, at halftime, they might have had all the scheming that they needed, and they got three extra days of practice right there in that halftime. So it was a completely different offense in the second half, and I credit that to the defense. No, and that's the thing. Like the way the defense was playing specifically today was I don't want to say perfect game because obviously again, I think the story of this defense is they give up a ton of yards, mm-hmm. but when that when a team gets into the red zone, we're holding you to nothing or you're getting a field goal. You're not getting a touchdown on us. And I think that is scary for some of these teams now seeing an offense like SMU who no mis- let's make no mistake, they moved the ball mm-hmm. all over us. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it was a bend-don't break. Mm-hmm. They didn't give up any big plays to Rasheed Rice, which was the focal point moving in was, yep. listen, this man can beat you downfield. Mm-hmm. He can go over the top, you big NFL-lengthy receiver. And I was getting frustrated in the first half, and I was getting, I was banging my pillow. I'm like, why are we allowing these curl flat routes for seven yards mm-hmm. every single play? Mm-hmm. He's going to, like, why are we allowing that? Ultimately, I'm. we saw there was nine receptions in the first half for almost 100 yards, and you're like, are we just going to allow this every game? They'll get first downs every single time, mm-hmm. like if you're just going to allow that. Obviously, the defense shifted and didn't allow that as much. They played a little bit more up, mm-hmm. but they also didn't allow the big plays. Corner The corners today... Devontae Brown, especially getting that coverage. Mm-hmm. Corey Thornton, they were throwing at Thornton every other play. Mm-hmm. They held their own today, Tyler. Yeah. They held their own. No, absolutely. And that's what with the Rasheed Rice in the first half, you know, it was like you said, those hook routes. It was he was getting 10 yards anytime you looked his way. Like on his first 10 targets, he was nine of 10, nine receptions on 10 targets. That's an issue. 
Luckily, that didn't convert to points. Like you said, they were able, you could tell they had an emphasis on limiting him down the field. They didn't want to give up any long ball plays to Rice. So they lack, they lack off five to 10 yards. They'll let him get that curl route. Why SMU? This is where the play calling of SMU. I don't know if UCF schemed him perfectly in the second half, but I can't believe that he gets whatever it was, three, four. He finished with 12 receptions for 122 yards or, you know, in that ballpark. You're telling me that UCF schemes so well at halftime for him in the second half that you limit him to only a handful of targets in the first half after he's catching everything you throw at him. I think that some of it was on the play calling, but the UCF defense, they did what they had to do. I did see more of an emphasis on pressing him in the second half opposed to um, backing off of him. And you hit it with the DBs. Brandon Adams had two uh, deflections in in the in the end zone. One of them was probably a PI that went uncalled. That was the one call that you were talking about with Lashley that he was upset about. Um, Corey Thornton had one. Devon Wilson had the interception at halftime. Devontae Brown, Nikai Martinez. We had five red zone or end zone deflections. You know, one or two of those goes gets down, and this is a whole different ball game. So can't praise the DBs enough on their red zone defense and defense in the end zone as a whole but yeah in that first half just way too many hooks to rice um the rushing game i think they did they did well you know they gave up that 139 rush for a touchdown that was the lone touchdown of the game before the last second score i think that was too smu was playing fast ucf was winded they gave one up up the middle we didn't see that again the rest of the game no and I think that's the thing. So we allowed 113 rushing yards. I think one positive, especially on this defense, and there's so many positives. I mean, this is a fun defense to watch. Mm-hmm. Over the last couple of years, it's almost like the like you get so it's so fun to watch the offense, and then you get nervous. You're like, okay, can we hold them? You know, get, we we don't want to get into a scoring match, especially with a team like SMU, right? Mm-hmm. 113 rushing yards. You never feel, especially this season you can't really run the ball on us. I mean, if you're going to beat us, it's going to be through the air. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, besides that one big run, they didn't really get anything on the rushing attack, and they tried. SMU tried. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were trying, you know, to run it to the outside, to come up the front. Like, they were trying everything. Mm -hmm. Nothing was working. Nothing was working on the ground. No, and like I think that goes back to the play calling as well and the tempo calling. When SMU was playing that UCF fast offense – they were able to wear out the UCF defense. So if, But then in the second half, you kind of saw things slowed down a bit. I do think when they did try to pick up the tempo, UCF responded better in the second half. But that was the reasoning of that touchdown. It was they're playing fast. UCF defense is a little – they're not completely set. Not, not all guys are committed to their assignments. They're not completely set. Not, not all guys are committed to their assignments. And you give up a run up the middle. So that goes for 40 yards and a touchdown. So again, if I think if SMU, they continue to play that fast-paced offense, they can get more points on the board. They they got into the red zone four times tonight. I think that that number pushes into six or seven if they keep that fast-paced tempo. Um, but they kind of went away from it in the second half. So props to UCF defense and also might want to look into that play call for SMU. Yeah, let's talk about SMU's play calling. I mean – especially from the start, right? I was looking at the game. I don't want to compare anybody to UCF's 2018 offense or 2017 offense because not nobody can really compare to that. The pace and the tempo was almost identical. The way that they were going, the speed at which SMU was going. But as we all know, more similar to Josh Heupel's offense, when you go at that speed, yes, you're going to be getting on teams pretty early out. You might get a huge lead early, but then your playbook kind of goes from, I don't know, 65 plays to maybe 10 plays that you really like, that you will just keep running and hope the defense doesn't figure it out. I think, and Nick, don't get me wrong, I think that ultimately hurt SMU because they ran their best plays out front, and the defense, the story for the defense has been they basically give up a touchdown on the first or second possession, They give up a touchdown early, and then that offense kind of gets stagnant and doesn't put up touchdowns later on. Do you think ultimately that hurt SMU with great play calling in the beginning parts of the game, but then it kind of got stagnant 
as the game kind of progressed. I think that's part of it, but I, I think one of the other things that hasn't been mentioned, I don't think, and they said it on the telecast, uh, I think in the first quarter, they brought up, they did that little package where they showed the history of Rhett Lashley and Gus Malzahn. And the narrative they were saying is Rhett Lashley is going to know everything that's coming from Gus Malzahn because he just has been with them for, what, 18 years or whatever it was. He's going to know everything. They didn't mention Gus Malzahn is the, is the teacher here, okay? He's the mentor, not the mentee. And I think Gus Malzahn, I mean, and Travis Williams too, I mean, he was there for three years, Rhett Lashley at Auburn, I believe. And Travis Williams is there at that same time. You have to think practice every single day. I think there was a lot of familiarity on the UCF side of things as well. And then it becomes just kind of a chess match. And I think UCF's defense ranked top 10 nationally now after this game was just more well-equipped to handle it. So I think that I think that's part of it, what you said, but I also think it also comes down to there's so much familiarity between these two teams, and it was all about Rhett Lashley and what's he going to do with Gus, and I think UCF clearly won out on that, uh, on that battle. And just to add it, I, I will think there's, well, there was one play that it kind of just looked like Rhett Lashley and SMU had down pat. They knew exactly when the formation was there. It was a trick play. I mean, whenever Bowser was in there and they were doing the laterals to like to try to get it play deep, SMU stopped that every time. Well, Ultimately, to and, you, like and forgive me if y'all if y'all got into it, but what was the Gus Malzahn's first trick play call there in the first quarter? I think okay. it was. Um, it was we did like three back passes, all that to do a screen to Johnny oh, Richardson yeah. on the side. Yes, on third, on third and six, on third and six, and I think I, that might have been the first one. But yeah, the four double reverse plays which that one was i think the only one for a pass the others ended up in a negative yardage or maybe two yards the first three didn't work i I don't know why ucf was so consistent in sticking to a double reverse motion play again and again and again and that third one i had i had had noted that What, what is that play call on third and six a double reverse flea flicker pitch for a behind the yard of scrimmage screen I, I don't subscribe to, no, I think we, we got to get something going. Let me try to take a shot and let me try to do this. That wasn't even taking a shot. You did a lot of stuff just to set up a little screen pass. That just wasn't there to begin with. I don't, I just, I don't, sometimes well, these coaches, I think just overthink it in those situations. The one was on second and one. I mean, if you remember, like it was second and one, they had a, they got a great first down play. And then I think they're thinking, oh, we're going to catch them off guard. They think we're going to run this. I think they had Bowser. Now, granted, they ran it. They ran a version of this play like three times in this game, and it didn't work once. So I might be mistaken. But I'm pretty sure the first time SMU called a timeout on it because it looked like they were – it was Bowser and Wildcat. And I was like, okay, they're probably going to run a trick here. And SMU called a timeout. So they knew the formation. Then later on, it was a second and one. And they ran the stupid three pass, like, you know, flea flicker. That it was, I think everybody looked, it was an atrocious play. Way too much thinking involved in that one specifically when you do have Isaiah Bowser that can literally get you a first down with a a quick run. They couldn't stop Bowser with two yards tonight. Like, give credit for Bowser when we talk about offense, but they couldn't stop that. Um, Defensively, Jason Johnson kind of, my standouts, and we could talk about these guys more. Um, one of Nick's favorite guys, Jason Johnson, two fumble recoveries tonight. He's kind of like a quiet stud on this defense. Like you don't, you don't see him on the field until he's making a big play. You don't spot him. Um, I think Devon Wilson played really well tonight. We already talked about the two corners, but Devon Wilson's probably just Mister Consistent on this team as a safety. I mean, um, he plays really well. And then defensive line. I mean, they didn't really, I'll say this, they didn't pressure the quarterback too much. Like they weren't, but they were collapsing, you know, his pocket and forcing him out, which we all know Mordecai, you know, is not, he clearly showed he was not a running quarterback tonight. Um, Tyler, give your, who was your kind of like standout? I know the defense, everybody stood out tonight, but give me a guy on the defense that really stood out for you uh, for this night's defense. Yeah, as far as the front line, linebacker, I mean, Jeremiah Jean Patisse was all over the place tonight. He was the leader um, in tackles, nine total tackles, eight of them being solos. Um, he just he was flying around all over there. And then for DBs, 
I'm going to go. They attacked Thornton a lot tonight. Corey Thornton was getting work tonight. He had some plays that he got beat on some, but he was another guy that, like, like I was talking about earlier, with those end zone deflections. Corey Thornton was all over the place, so I'm not sure what he finished with the tackles. Um, but I think he was a sign. This could have been a flaw. I think Devontae Brown should have been on uh, Rice the entire night. Thornton was matched up with him a lot. So for how much he was matched up across from a future NFL receiver and Rasheed Thornton, I think that or uh, and Rasheed Rice, I think Corey Thornton did a pretty good job um, on the defensive end tonight. Yeah, and Corey Thornton got you know last year he had an up and down year, mostly down. He wasn't very consistent last year. That was a lot of the questions going into this year was, how is that cornerback room going to do? Hey, we know we have Devontae Brown, but can Corey Thornton step up? And he answered that call tonight. There were two, like the one touchdown that should have been a touchdown, he knocks that ball out. Huge play in the game. And he never gave up, which is important. He didn't just let guys run all over him. It's they Again, UCF defense were not allowing yards after the catch tonight, which was crucial in this win. Um, Nick, guy on the defense that stands out to you. I feel like I've said this for almost every game, but I thought it rang true again tonight, and that's Traymon Morris Brash, who, uh, if you've been listening to this podcast, I haven't. I've said so much about him and thinking that he was going to have a career year this year, and he's done that. And you factor in the numbers tonight, where he had six tackles, two for loss, and a sack. Career year and then some. He's already, I think, about to eclipse last year's tackle mark. He's already two-thirds of the way plus to his tackle for loss mark of last season, and he's already just one sack short of having his career high for a season. So I was saying he was going to get that over a 12-game sample size at least, and here we are five games in, and he's about to have a, a actually career year in that time frame. So I think, again, it, up, it starts up front in your line of scrimmage. I thought Traymond Morris-Brash is the leader of that, and I'll give it up to the entire defensive line as a whole. I mean, anytime you hold a team under four yards rushing in college football, that's hard to do. And UCF did that tonight. You forced Mordecai to throw 40-something times, I think 45 times, I think, uh, and forced yeah. him to beat you, and the back end was great as well. But I think, like we always say, it starts with Morris Brash. It starts with Seliscar. I mean, those are the guys that I think are always going to be key here in these victories. That's who, too. I want to touch on Josh Seliscar. I didn't see him much tonight. Like, he no. wasn't involved. In he finished with three tackles. He was a part of a tackle for loss. But – Seliscar was kind of a non-factor tonight. So how about what that says to the entire defensive unit? You have Josh Seliscar, who has been one of our more consistent defensive players when he's healthy the last couple of years. And he's kind of a non-factor in a game. And you're still giving, um, not giving them those numbers. I, I Yeah, it speaks a ton about this whole defensive unit. Well, I think it says, number one, credit SMU's offensive line. I think they actually played a very good game against this tough mm-hmm. UCFD line. Anthony Maltavo was a stud tonight. I mean, mm-hmm. he was running after balls all over. I If I was looking at a guy on the D-line tonight that I would basically give a, give a game ball to, I would say him just basically out of his sheer will to get to balls with a whatever that big, huge, you know, clobber <laughs> hand. A um, rock on his hand. I mean, yeah. yeah. My girlfriend was sitting here and she was like, wait, is his hand broken? And I'm like, oh, yeah, if, usually on your defense, if you got something wrong with your hand, they just make it a ball. And she goes, oh, that's crazy. I'm like, yeah, because it doesn't matter. But And he was flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, linebackers tonight, like we've, again, it's an embarrassment of riches that UCF has. Um, Traymond Morris, Brash, Nick brought him up, the you know sack in the end zone for the safety. Huge play. I think that's probably the biggest play um, of the game to be completely fair. I mean, that shifted, that kind of take, took the sales out of SMU regard, even though they were basically on their, you know, two yard line or whatever. Um, that kind of took the wind out of SMU sales for sure. Yeah. And I think it, it just in general with this defense, when was the, and I, we talked a lot about identity, I believe after the Georgia tech game, what's the identity of UCF. And we talked a lot about that offensively. I guess it was staring right in front of our face and we just, we talked about it, but probably not as much. This is a defensive football team, and it's weird to say that about UCF. I mean, in my time of watching it, and I know, Sean, you've been watching a lot longer than I have, I can't find a UCF defense that's been even near the stratosphere of this one. I really can't. I mean, I tweeted tonight, I think UCF, at this moment in time, the way the defense is playing, if they just average 25 to 30 points, which really isn't great offensively at all, but that's kind of about 
I think where they're going to be at on most days uh, because of the inconsistencies there. But if they do that, I think they're going to win more games than not. I mean, I know I wish they I wish they get the Louisville game back and you could be five and zero right now. Uh, but it is what it is. But I think they they have a shot to win the American if they play defense like this. And and what's a tougher offense they're going to face down the stretch here? There's there's really not one in the well, and we in Cincinnati, I guess. But this it. was the class of the American. No, and that's the thing. Like ultimately, I think there's a tier. And I will say, top heavy American is pretty good this year. I mean, you have Tulane, Memphis is four and one. You got Cincy. SMU was two and two, but I mean, they had two tough games, Maryland, TCU. They could have beat TCU and TCU's, you know, what, number 17 in the country right now? Like SMU's a tough team. This was not an easy game. I know the score says different, 41 to 19 or 40, 19, whatever the score is, it doesn't show how tough of a game this was, you know, on the outskirts. SMU's going to win a lot of games in this conference this year specifically. Like, they might be a top four team in this conference at the end of it pretty easily. Um, but I, I don't think you're wrong, Nick. I think, and we talked about it last week and we said, I think ultimately this defense, because of how good this defense is, I think you can win a game. Our defense will keep us in every game. It doesn't matter. Like, look at it. We can look at just the fact. SMU is pretty much the same team from last year. Only difference is the head coach, Right. That score is 55 to 28, and it flipped in one year. That's all you need to look at. I mean, that just shows you how much improvement this defense has made. And pay Travis Williams anything because he will be a head coach. And I I don't think Rob texted us and said five years. No, 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 no. Like one to two years. Some team is going to offer him a bag of money because he's a good recruiter. And he now it's showing he can coach up a defense. Pay that man whatever he wants because you need to keep him here. Throw the Juan Soto at him. Give him 15 years of whatever Not he wants. good for the statue. Let's ADCF. name a building after him. I don't know what you got to do to get it. Right. Do whatever. But I'm. I, all I'll say is it's from watching this team just go back to even two years ago in 2020, and every game it felt like UCF could score 45 or 50 with ease. But they were going to give forty or fifty up with ease, and I, I remember if y'all if y'all recall, there was a I, there was a Saturday game I think against Memphis where they lost fifty two to forty nine. You're just like, how does that happen? How do you score forty nine points and lose? And I don't get that feeling with this team. And that in just two short years, and a lot of these players they were on that team. And it's, so it is amazing what Travis Williams has done here. And I agree with both of y'all. This this guy's going to be a head coaching candidate. I don't know, maybe at this offseason, but another year of this, depending on how it goes, he's gonna, he's probably going to go somewhere else. And that's just going to be the reality of it, unless you yeah, pony that, up the money. That That's what they, UCF has to do anything. T-Will is a reason why UCF's identity has shifted. You know, I think that's been, it's been a tough couple of years as a UCF fan, even when we're winning a majority of our games. But we still have seasons where it feels like we're losing because we're so used to this explosive offense putting up 50 points a game against American against teams in the American. And then we're still putting up a ton of points, but we're not coming out on top because our defense was that bad. So now we've completely shifted. And at the start of the year, the offense for the most part, wasn't looking great. They look good versus FAU, but bad, bad Louisville game, Um, you know, start the season with a massacre on South Carolina state, that's South Carolina state. What are you going to do? But that's what it was tough at the beginning of this year because of what are we going to do on offense? And every game we play now, it's like, it doesn't matter because we got that defense that, like Nick said, if we put up three touchdowns, we're probably going to win that ball game. No, yeah, and I, this is the perfect game. To, like we said, this is the game on the schedule. This is probably the best offense you're going to face. If this defense shows out against SMU, this is this is the game. This is the game to show everybody, everybody that's picked SMU money line and said there's no way UCF wins this. This defense won the game. I don't care that the offense put up 40 points. This defense won us the game, and I think they are a top 10 defense in the country. Enough said. And they'll be talked about for the rest of the year. I don't care. We're 32 minutes into this podcast, and we've only talked about the defense. That shows you all, that tells you everything you need to know. This defense is legit. I will take it to my grave and to the end of the year. 
I love this defense, and I never thought I'd say that about a UCF defense ever in my entire life. So thank you, Travis Williams. Um, and thank you to all the players playing your guts out. Love watching you play. Let's talk about the offense. Okay. Improvements all across the board, right? First half looked like every single first half this season where you're looking at the offense and you're like, John Rice can't throw accurately. It's bad play calling, not running the ball effectively. Where was RJ Harvey in the first half? Where's Johnny Richardson? All these questions that continuously got piled up. And in the second half, it looked like finally, after begging, Gus is like, okay, screw it. And it actually kind of worked out. So, Nick, I'll start with you. Kind of, what are your takeaways from the offense? What did you like? What did you didn't like? And what do you see out of this offense moving forward? I know it's a lot of questions in one part. I know you're really killing me here, man. But uh, anyway, give me a five-page soliloquy. <laughs> I need it. I can write one for you. I can, I can, uh, I can turn one out. I bet. But uh, I'm not going to do that tonight. But if you oh, listen to me, okay. I've always been big on Johnny Richardson, and I've been saying a lot this year. And there's been games where he's gotten like under ten touches, and I'm like, that just that just can't happen for your most explosive player next to Ryan O'Keefe on offense. Well, tonight. He got four touches, and UCF scored 41 points, so how much do I know? But I agree with you. The fact that we don't see RJ, and this is a constant theme, it feels like. We don't see RJ Harvey at all in the first half, usually. He seems like he's always a guy they bring in in the second half, and he impresses in those short spurts. And Again, we've talked a lot about Isaiah Bowser, and I know he had the three touchdowns tonight. Getting in the end zone has never been his problem down there at the goal line, but there is a lack of... I guess, burst there that I think there was last year. The offensive line still kind of concerns me with their lack of being able to run block for him. Uh, those lanes are not there. John Rice Plumley not his greatest night on the ground either. Um, I said I wasn't going to be negative, but here I go bringing out the negative. Uh, you, all negative so far. All negative I mean, go far. I'm about to turn it around. I'm going to turn it around. Hold up. Okay. The, the big positive, and I think this was a difference here, especially in the second half, is we got the emergence of Kobe Hudson, who we have not really seen much of this season. And we forget Auburn's leading receiver last year in the SEC. And now you have a three-headed monster of him, O'Keefe, and Baker. And I think by having those three guys out there, three guys who can win every matchup on their own when they want to, if you're any defense, especially SMU's defense, you've got no shot. So I think that helped having Kobe Hudson out there. He's going to draw more attention to him as he gets acclimated in, every, in everything here, adjusted to UCF, and it allowed more Javon Baker. It allowed more for Ryan O'Keefe. So I think that subtle little addition or more so of just having him out there now has helped UCF's offense, and you saw that especially in the second half. No, and, and it's huge. And I just want to – we said it last episode – I need R.J. Harvey in there over Bowser on first and second down. It's And it's no offense to Bowser. I mean, again, Bowser gets into the end zone. If you're on the three-yard line, do your wildcat. I think we've all grown accustomed now to running the wildcat when you're you're down there. I mean, it works. It, it hasn't been stopped to this game. But the burst on R.J. Harvey is insanely better and different than Bowser right now. And we can blame oh, the lanes that the offensive line is creating. We can blame it on that, but R.J. Harvey got seven carries, and he has 69 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. Bowser had 62 yards on 15 carries. So we can blame it on offensive line play. Uh, that is Sean from week two. I mean, that is week two, Sean. Week five, Sean, is it's not the offensive line. I think it's Bowser. Now, Bowser had his best run of the season. This, like, he... uh Cut it from left to out to the right. He got like 20 yards. It was his longest run of the year. That was a good run. But I think Bowser thinks from last year, let me just push up the middle. I'm going to get the same number of yards as last year, like eight yards rushing up the, the front. And that's just not what this UC, UCF offense needs out of the running backs. They need to kind of take it inside, take it to the outside. And R.J. Harvey's burst and speed is kind of what this offense needs, Tyler. I think specifically right now. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more, and I've been listening. Uh, the praise with R.J. Harvey and the praise with Johnny Richardson, I've been on that train too. Uh, you hit it, you hit it right on the head. 
put Bowser in and now Wildcat, however you want to use him inside the 10 yard line, five yard line. He's he has eight t- rushing touchdowns or whatever it is on the season, seven or eight. So that works. He is going to be our leading rusher for touchdowns this season. But w- with the other 95 yards of the field, Johnny Richardson and RJ Harvey are the better guys for the job. The quick, explosive, speedy guys are going to get the job done more. RJ Harvey is averaging 6.2 yards per carry. That's a top 30 average in all of college football this year. Average 9.9 tonight. So the fact that we've seen very little RJ Harvey nursing back from an injury over the summer, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe if that's why you ease him in a little bit. But now we're five weeks in. We've seen that this guy is consistent on the seven rushes that we give him a game. Let's get him up to that 15 yards. 15 rushes a game and put Isaiah Bowser in the backseat for the first 95 yards of the people. I got to give you an NFL example, an NFL example or a couple here. Uh, the obvious one being Isaiah Bowser is, is Zeke Elliott and, and Harvey and Richardson are Tony Pollard. Uh, Bowser is Najee Harris and Richardson and Harvey are Jalen Warren. And you see there, it's the same thing. It's the same offensive line. They're running the same schemes here, the same plays. One hits the hole hard. And one has the burst, and one doesn't. And once you get to a certain point, and you, Sean, you brought up a good point. Week two, we can talk about the offensive line not blocking. We're five games in now. We kind of yeah. know what we are, what we aren't, and who these guys are, and who they aren't. And there's a consistent theme there with Bowser. So agree with both of y'all there. If you're going to use him, I think you need to kind of pick those spots. Obviously, in the goal line packages, because whatever it is, the production we saw last year, it's not there this year. Tonight, it didn't need to be because, again, and maybe it doesn't need to be on most nights. It doesn't have to be a Picasso with this offense anymore. It really doesn't. I think that's a good thing. No, and I, that is a good thing. I mean, we'll talk about JRP right now because I think if we're looking at it from a game perspective against opponent, best game of his career. I know the FAU game statistically was his best game, but... Against SMU, you're going to have to put up points, knowing you're going to have to go put up points. Being down at halftime, 13 to 10, that's, you know, I was going into halftime. My confidence was very low. I'm like, here we go again. We're getting the ball to start the half, but we're going to have to go drive down. And guess what they did? Now, we'll talk about the receivers because I think this was the coming out party. The receivers heard everyone talking bad about all the drops and stuff. Uh, and they really showed out. But Tyler, JRP, I think specifically, now obviously we know, I think we all have a good sense of JRP at this point. He can make some really good throws, some really bad throws, but he can extend plays, can make some bad decisions. But what is your overall thought process on his game tonight? And how do you think he can play and do moving forward? I mean, if you're a UCF fan or just college football fan in general who's watched a lot of UCF this season and watch UCF tonight, you would be a liar if you said the thought of, do we bring in Mikey Keene next week and try to figure some stuff out before we play Cincinnati in two weeks? If If you say that thought didn't cross your mind, you're a liar. When JRP is starting two for six in the first half and the receivers are there, he blatantly threw into what should have been an interception on that opening drive. Lucky, he got lucky on that one, but then he continues to miss his targets. That's where you're thinking, okay, JRP's ability to run has been his edge. Maybe UCF fans are sick of having that running edge and want to see Mikey Keene, who had an offseason to improve, but we know what we're getting with Mikey Keene. JRP, it's been a question mark every week. He threw for 49 yards last week. So you just never... At this point, you hope you can get this second half JRP consistently because that's the best UCF offense that we've seen in the second half of the game tonight. As you said, he's aggressive. You show that he can stick in, he'll stick with the game starting two for six, ending with uh, 20 for 29 for 316 yards and two touchdowns, and his ability to move the ball on the ground. It is a bit worrisome how physical he is and how unafraid he is. As UCF, we saw our last two, the two best quarterbacks we've seen in the last four years at UCF end their UCF careers by trying to make a play. You know, when we had Mackenzie Milton at USF going down the sideline for a 10-yard rush, out of bounds, gets tackled, comes down wrong, 
UCF career over. Dylan Gabriel last season at Louisville, I think it was, or where, wherever it was, trying to make a play um, to win the game, gets wrapped up, comes down awkward, UCF career over. So hate, hate that's why you kind of cringe every time you see JRP going out on the run because he'll get into you. And we saw him do a full somersault into the end zone at FAU. You know, so yeah. he is not afraid to get physical which is a bit worrisome, but you love that you have that mentality in your quarterback. He's a fighter, and I do think he can win us some ball games. He just has to be more consistent. We want that second-half offense. What I will say, though, and they've clearly been talking to him. Like, number one, I've never seen Gus as mad as he was tonight. I don't know why. Like, we were up 41-13, and he was still screaming with four minutes left. You could tell he was getting into JRP this game specifically. I think... Number one, he was sliding a lot more. I mean, there was the one where he slid, and I'm like, oh, he's not like he could probably pick up the first down if he just mm -hmm. pumbled into a guy. I think they're in his ear about that, saying, you need to slide more because we can't, we need you. I mean, we're at game five. So that, number one. And number two, I think they basically said, listen, we're going to need to throw the ball to win this game. I'm going to put it on you to make the plays, make the throws, because we won't win this game if you don't. They threw it 29, 30 times. So it's very evident that Gus understands, like, listen, yeah, we can run the ball like we're one of the top 10 teams in rushing in college football. But, Nick, they they made it very apparent tonight with how they were playing the game. Listen, we're going to need to throw the ball to, to win games. We can't just do what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, certainly he's not Josh Allen. Um, he, can't, he can't. There's only so many hits this guy could take. God, I wish. I wish he was. <laughs> yeah. That'd be so. Great. Yeah, I wish he oh was too. God. It'd be awesome. But he's. But he's not. But he's not. Let's uh, get a Mackenzie Milton first before Josh Allen. Yeah. Let's just get back to a KZ level. Shit. Even even a Dylan Gabriel level. Yeah. We'd be a like, top ten team in the country if we had a Mackenzie or Josh Allen. Probably so. I mean, I mean but listen, I. I look at John Rice Plumley, and he, I don't want to take anything away from what he did tonight. It was a, the second half was a great performance. Whatever, take the defense out of it for a second because we just hyped up the defense and how you're going to win a lot of games because of the defense. As a coach, I want to come into the stadium every day, and I want to know my quarterback is good enough to win me games if something goes wrong. And we have five games to go off of, so almost half a season. He was great against South Carolina State, of course. He was bad against Louisville. He was much better than against FAU. And then he was shockingly bad against Georgia Tech. And now here he is. I would say he played, I said fantastic, but it's probably just good tonight. So you just don't know what you're getting from a week-to-week -week basis with this guy. And I, I think that's dangerous. That's dangerous when that's your quarterback. And, you know, Tyler, you brought up Mikey Keene, and I mean, I was thinking the same thing after the first quarter. I'm like, when, when, when do we make this switch yet? But then again, it, you know, Gus has hitched his wagon to John Rice Plumley, and, and this is his system. And Mikey Keene clearly does not fit what Gus wants to do here and how he wants to operate. The problem is, is when the running game is not up to snuff and you're averaging four yards a carry or less, like, US, like UCF's been doing a lot this year, and it's going to have to get done through the air with John Rice Plumley. In some of these games where maybe it's a little tighter, I still just don't have that confidence right now. I mean, he played well tonight because the defense yeah. just wasn't going to give it up, I think. And and eventually, SMU's defense just broke. And, you know, give the ball to your skill guys like Ryan O'Keefe and just let him go like he did on that 58-yard touchdown. So I still have lots of concerns. I'll give him his props tonight. I think it's a good thing. The bye week is coming at a perfect time. And looking at the schedule ahead, right after you get a nice little game against Temple. I mean, go out there. Oh yeah, it's let's, gonna be so let's, fun next week. Yeah, let's get some goodwill. You get two games in a row with the bye week before you get into some of the meteor schedule because it's gonna get it's gonna get a little bit more daunting here the second half of the season than I think it was in the first half. So I'm I'm still on a wait and see approach with John Rice Plumley though, which is understandable. And I think again we're game five. I think we all know what we're getting out of this team. And we said that last week, but this week specifically even more. I mean, you know what you're getting out of John Rice. Now, you might not know what you're getting per week, but you know in the first quarter, okay, like if John Rice is struggling, this is probably what we're getting for this specific game. It might be more of a run-heavy game because just he's not on it. This game, 
the receivers just really showed out. And specifically, Javon Baker, I again, it's an every week thing now. He's our number one. O'Keefe is the guy. But for this quarterback, right, for JRP, him and Javon Baker clearly just have this thing going where if it was Mikey in there, yeah, I think O'Keefe would be his guy, but both of them, outstanding games today. Javon Baker, six receptions, 138 yards. O'Keefe, best game this season, not even a question. Six receptions, 117 yards, and the two tutties. That long run looked like vintage O'Keefe from last year, so it was good to see that. And Kobe Hudson, finally seeing something out of Kobe. He obviously didn't, he really wasn't much of a factor the first couple weeks, wasn't played, but today three wrecks for 53 yards. I think that's what we need to see, especially out of those three guys specifically. For John Rice, now granted, he made a couple great throws. I mean, the one to O'Keefe, that back left, that was an like an amazing throw. The one to Javon, like the over the shoulder on the right sideline, that was beautiful. Those were his two best throws, maybe of the season, definitely of tonight. Again, though, I don't want to talk bad about JRP. A lot of his throws were slants and then the receivers doing stuff with it after. I mean, the 51-yard throw to Baker, that was him basically willing himself to inside the five. That was a slant. That wasn't anything with JRP. But I think Tyler Gus has kind of just figured out he's not very accurate throwing the ball to downfield. We need to keep everything close. Our receivers are faster than the DBs. Hopefully he's accurate on those slants and our receivers are just better to kind of get yards after the catch. Yeah, I'm glad that you noted that 50-yard catch from Javon Baker. Was that all was Javon 40 Baker. 40 yards on yards after reception. But I noted that drive. Five plays, uh, 79 yards, took a minute th- minute 39 drive of – I noted that because that was, if you look at that stat line, it's like, wow, this is like a old UCF stat line. You know, not many, not many plays, not many, not much time off the clock. You're just going with it. But then if you know, when you watch, yeah, that was a slant that turned into a big play. I'm kind of okay with it. We've seen that Plumlee can't do the deep ball like we would maybe like him to be able to, maybe like Mikey Keene can. However, I think that let you hit it perfect with Gus is bought into this slant system, this short system, which we saw JRP struggle with early tonight, and then it got better towards the end. And we have the caliber of receivers to run that offense. And if you run and you hit all of these guys five times a game on slants, one of them is going to break off for 50 yards, whether it's Baker, whether it's O'Keefe, you can pick any of them. They're that talented, that quick, that skilled that they can make plays out of nothing. So overall, I was okay with the, I was glad to see him have a couple of deep balls. Um, I still think the receivers made those plays. They were not like they were wide open catches, you know, both tough catches, but I'm glad to see him do that. But I think that the 10 yard throws are much more, will lead to much more success for UCF. No, yeah, and that's going to be our offense. I mean, hopefully JRP can make those throws down the field um, at some point. Um, But right now you can just tell the accuracy is not there on those throws. Um, But listen, 31 unanswered by the offense. I mean, we can dissect every little thing tonight with the offense. I mean, but at the end of the day, 31 unanswered. Credit to the defense. Credit to the offense. They both played out standing tonight, the defense especially, and the offense got it going. I mean, that's what is most important tonight. And make ahead, sure Nick. you mention my boy Boomer, okay? I mean, that's, that's a okay. that's a Okay, time out. Time out, okay? I love my boy Boomer. Boom, I love Boomer. Some of those extra points, little suspect. Man, who cares? They were, they were drifting. Oh, the one. Who on. cares? I, I'm sorry. I know. No. I, listen, I don't care. I don't care. I, I He makes them. I could care less. All I'm saying is the extra points, they were – I for a second, I'm like, oh, that was a mess. It, I didn't even see the ball. It was low and left. I'm like, whoa. But he makes them, so I could care less. No, why would you bring it up? Point it out. Why would you bring it up? Because – well, honestly, straight up, because the one I was like, oh, God, he missed that. And then they put up the – I'm like – But he didn't. That was amazing. You know who would have missed Whoa. it? 
You you know who would have missed it? Do I need to say his name on the show? Obarski. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah, I know. Did you see? Now here's also. Did you see? I don't know if you guys noticed this. Go ahead. <laughs> go. No, you go ahead. You. I'm switching gears. No, no, you're cutting me off. It's I'm trying fun. to. I'm trying to talk about special teams here. I'm, sorry. I'm very passionate I'm sorry. about special teams. And for a little bit here, I thought I do always forget it. Yeah, and for a little bit here, watching Obarski for the past, I swear, like two two decades, I feel like I had a chance. I feel like I still had a chance as a walk on. I think I have some eligibility, but Boomer. <laughs> My boy Boomer has taken that away from me, unfortunately. He made, what do you make, like a 40-plus yarder tonight? The confidence, the confidence to ha- that I have in a kicker to make a 40-plus yarder wearing a UCF uniform. I mean, Boomer. Boomer. And my favorite, Boom. my favorite player on Best the team. UCF kicker since Matty Wright. My favorite. That's a fact. Oh. You know what? Matty Wright broke my heart as a Buccaneer fan, by the way, this past Sunday. We don't know. He broke my heart. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying. I mean, they said Matt Wright, UCF, and I'm like, oh boy. Oh, just and I, he just he, he made he every just he made every kick. He made now. every kick, man. Yeah, broke my heart. But did you guys notice the switch punters? Yes. Okay. Can does okay? Does anybody understand what mm. happened? No idea. The the broadcasters even because um, it started McCarthy. Yeah. And then I think they went to Austin and then back to McCarthy. I, I think they were switching around with them. I don't McCarthy know had it, five punts. Five right. punts. And then Osteen had two. But I didn't know. I, I'm like, there's got to be. like Because McCarthy's been great. I mean, he's he's right. been punting the ball. I don't know if they didn't like one of them. Or I, I have no idea. Hopefully Gus talks about it um, mm-hmm. so I can get information on that. Um, the punting was fine tonight on special by, by teams was great. Yeah. I All mean, around. I think special teams was great tonight. Xavier Townsend. Love that freshman. Love him. Um, he's going to be really good. I mean, he's already good, but he's going to be really good for us. Um, yeah. All in all great win. Let's quickly, quickly go over expectations moving forward. I think we've got. You know, East Carolina. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Nick, their number one running back I think is out the rest of the year. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I might be mistaken on that. Okay, he's out. So the next two weeks, I would say, are pretty easy. You know, nothing I guess is easy. But with this defense, I'd say, I'd say, I think, I don't think Holton Air Ayler, Aylers. That's how you say his last name. Uh. I don't think they're going to do much. Like, I think the next two weeks are, you know, let's eat some cake, drink some beers, and have a nice, well, you know, Saturday. I, I would say about I East feel. Carolina real quick. I mean, Holton Aylers is probably, yeah, he might be the second best quarterback in the conference behind Mordecai, honestly. He might be. I mean, I, and see. He hasn't done jack against us, though, for years. I mean, I understand, but he, he's still, number. he's had a lot of, he has a lot of experience, and uh, CJ Johnson's probably the best receiver in the conference if we're. Yes, if we're being is. honest with you, and I know the I know the le- I know the level of competition wasn't great, but I watched East Carolina destroy USF this past weekend, um, and uh, their offense was flying. Now they aren't going to do that against UCF, but I'm not going to write that game off yet. Temple, I'll give you they should they should uh, they should roll Temple game at home as well. Uh, they're gonna, they're going to roll Temple, and then we get to the meat of the schedule after that. Yeah, yeah, you got Memphis, Cincy, Tulane. Um, Navy, which, you know, yeah, a couple cupcakes. But, I mean, that that three-week, you know, listen, I'm going to say I think after I've watched three East Carolina games, don't ask me why. They've been on the TV. I've sat and watched. They don't really impress me too much. I mean, they look like this. Now, C.J. Johnson, I agree. Like, besides Rasheed Rice, he's probably – tied for first. He is an outstanding receiver. But again, after seeing the defense, especially tonight against a dog, like against a dog at wide receiver, I mean, I'm pretty confident in in this defense and I'm not going to be caught sleeping. Like the next two weeks, I think are easy dubs. I think, especially next week, like, geez, we like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't, I'm not going to be stressing on the couch. Like that's going to be a fun Saturday next week. Like, geez, I don't know what I'm going to be acting like on this podcast after the game. Like, you might see a whole other side of Sean next week, but um, Cincy is, I think, the big game that is on the schedule. 
But after seeing Cincy, first of all, I think it's just ridiculous. I mean, they are not – their defense is good. They're off. They're not good. I, now, no disrespect, but all disrespect. Cincy sucks. Straight up. Their defense is good. Their offense is trash. Like, I know our offense has been like a roller coaster, but our our defense is better than theirs this year. No cap. Straight up. And I think we would win by at least 10, at, uh, like at home against Cincy this year. I think that's no question. I can't believe you're that confident, to be honest. It is straight up. Maybe it's it just, again, up, just when beating SMU on You are. You're on a high. I understand. But you're just straight up throwing the world out. They suck. I mean, I, I think I, do. I've been impressed by Cincinnati. I've been impressed by Cincinnati They are not the 24th year. ranked team in this country. And I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely. I get from last year. And this is the bias. And I'm fine. I like an AAC they're team ranked. 40, I, they're averaging it. 40 a game offensively right now. And you're at, they suck offense, but they're having 40 a game. They're playing Kennesaw State, Miami of Ohio, Indiana. Tulsa. Hey, they, they they did look good. The, the one game I watched was that Arkansas game. They hung so in there. That was the week one, though. They hung in there. But that week was week one. one. Nick, we struggled last year against Boise in week one. I mean, come on. Week one is the week to have an upset. Since he played good against Arkansas, but... They haven't. They haven't come. You cannot tell me in the last four weeks they have impressed you so much to where they should be ranked number twenty-four. Now, again, I am not. I love that they're ranked because it will only help UCF if Cincy is ranked when UCF plays them. But I'm not going to sit here and say they've impressed enough to be the twenty-fourth ranked team in the country. Give me a break. I think they they came in ranked too high. Is my opinion. Since that Arkansas loss, they haven't done anything wrong to get kicked out. So I think that's why they're still at that 24 spot. And over the next couple of weeks, when they play SMU, they play UCF. Um, I think they dropped the out of the, the ranking though. They dropped out. I, Who? Cincy? They I dropped out. Ba- 24. They're at 24. No. So Cincy, I if I, I might be wrong and trust me, our they fans did. They dropped out of the ranking. They dropped in they after dropped the, out of the rankings. Game. Right. They, so right. they got dropped but out were- one loss. And then they got put right. back up last week. Well, they beat right because they were right. They were there, but they beat they. Like I said, if yeah. I'm just Go gonna. Ahead, I mean, they beat Indiana. I mean, Indiana. That's their. It's, I mean, I know it's Indiana, but Indiana's a, a, a chippy bunch. I mean, it's a Big Ten team. It's a Big Ten team. They beat them by 20. They did what they were supposed to do. It got them back in the rankings. I mean, you're, but you're just throwing out. They suck. Like I, I'm okay. Listen, that's just again. It is late. I am. Being optimistic with myself, you got to get all. I know. I'm just saying. Listen, the, the magic are starting defense, soon, and you're gonna you're gonna be crying in about a week or two into uh, the season. I will. So I, I, will. I understand. You got to You've got to get it all out right now. The positivity. I know. I mean, yeah. I don't even want to talk about the first preseason. Tyler can't actually talk about it. That's the thing. I don't think I. You am can't. Legally allowed. To you're talk not about legally allowed. Trust me. Pass. You're not allowed to. That first preseason game, I wanted to cry my eyes out. So yes, I need some, you know, my page, or me and Tyler's pats are one and three. I'm looking to just dunk my head in ice cold water every Sunday, hoping for a win at this point. We got Bailey Zappi as our quarterback. I, I want to jump off of a cliff. Hey, well, hold um, up. So I, least, I couldn't talk about the Bucks, but you can go on about Bailey Zappi on this podcast. You brought, you now listen. I brought him up. No, it, I brought him up as a. I brought the Bucks up as a real world example. You brought Bailey Zappi up. We don't talk about just, any. Just to we rant. don't talk about any Tampa teams. Tampa is off the map when it comes Amen to the to UCF that. football podcast. And we don't even give me only time we talk about it is USF slander, which I'd be more than happy to talk about the crapshoot that's going on with USF Twitter right now. Wanting, I hope they keep Jeff Scott. Please keep Jeff Scott. You need the rebuild. You need you need him to stay your head coach, USF fans. Please keep him. Just, just don't I'm say anything you. bad about my friend, Gary Bohannon. Don't say anything bad about him. That's all I'm going to say. What, that he sucks? He's the worst quarterback in the American? <laughs> Does that qualify as bad? Does that qualify? Nick. I mean, uh, the worst quarterback in the American. Listen, the worst. Listen, I don't want to. We're, Mr. we're steering. Baylor come, this is, oh my God, he went eleven and two at Baylor. This he is sucks. steering. This is, is steering off into a territory that I didn't want it to go into. Just finish your thought up. Just please don't bring up Bailey Zappi 
ever again in, in my presence. That's all I'm asking. I'd rather not. I'd ra- I, you know I don't what? want to either. I don't want to either. I'm okay. We can jump off that as soon as humanly possible. All right. So great win. Obviously, we always go off at the rails at the end, especially when it comes to USF and things. Um, I it's think in the morning. I know we can all yeah. just appreciate that we got this dub. I admitted I was wrong. I picked us to lose this game. It looked like the way that we were playing, this was going to be a big L. And our top 10 defense gave us this dub. And credit to the offense and all that. Um, I want to thank Tyler, Nick, as always, for coming on. Listen, we got Temple next week. That's going to be a fire episode with, you know, that whole team. So that's going to be fun. A fun preview. No disrespect, but all disrespect. Um... So yeah, go Knights, charge on. Appreciate all of you guys for tuning in, watching, listening, subscribing. We really appreciate the support. It's been doing um, so well, and it's all because of you guys. So we really appreciate it. Um, And yeah, UCF beats SMU 41-19. to Killer performance by the defense. I'm your host, Sean Green. Go Knights, charge on. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.